OU Insider subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton enthusiasts, people who are ready for OU softball season, which starts a week from tomorrow. Holy cow. It feels like they just won their championship, their last one, three days ago. Cannot believe it is already softball season again. People who are relieved that OU basketball snagged a huge win at Kansas State last night this is the podcast for you if you're looking for things all things ou athletics this is another episode of the oklahoma drill a podcast fueled by ou insider and the rivals network brian last week or two weeks ago really the last what it feels like year it was like three degrees outside Mm. and now it's like 80 it's like 80 degrees outside Mm -hmm. when when did that happen is that a good thing? Are you like, are you happy about that? Like ten minutes ago, I'm gr- I'm happy about it, but I don't think my sinuses appreciate it. Like mm. the back and forth, I I don't know. I'm I'm sick of the I I can't say I'm sick of the Oklahoma weather. If I was actually sick of it, I wouldn't have spent the last twenty eight years of my life in Oklahoma. But here we are. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. I'll enjoy it once I can get out there uh and 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 get away from from a screen but here we are (laughs) that's what man i've when uh when softball season comes around it's always interesting it's it's gonna be new this year at love's field because there's actually gonna be a press box which Mm -hmm. is great at uh marita hines uh there has not been a press box so media just sits outside and so many times last year it would get way, way hotter than I would expect it to by like late February, early March. And I would not only forget to bring sunscreen, so I'd get burnt, but I would also forget forget to bring sunglasses oh, or a hat. Yeah. Just just all of it. And I love softball. I really do love softball. I did not grow up a baseball slash softball person. So I don't I have I didn't know some of that stuff naturally that other people just know when it comes right. to baseball softball yeah. weather. I just didn't know. Yeah. It's uh you need the hat, you need the sunglasses, pretty much doesn't matter what time of year it is. Uh yeah. yeah I, I would I would bring that stuff. So <laughs> you know, and this last year wasn't my first year covering OU softball. You would have think I would have learned. I, I hadn't learned, but hey, Love's Field, they're treating the journalists and reporters right. You know, moving forward, we got a press box, air conditioning. I I need more amenities than than the than the average person. You know, um, is the press box gonna be nicer at Love's Field than it is at Oklahoma's football field? Oh, that's a Brian. You're gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> you're gonna get us in trouble. Um, <laughs> let's just say this: if it is, it wouldn't be surprising. Let's say that. Yeah, fair enough. 
Let's say that. Let's say that. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? We're allowed to say anything. This is the Oklahoma drill. But, <laughs> you know, while but while normally the Oklahoma drill would imply that it's like one-on-one, mm-hmm. this would be us taking on uh, the University of Oklahoma football stadium itself. And that seems that just seems like a bigger challenge. That yeah, just, that just seems like we'd be quite, outmatched. I don't think we're quite up to that just yet. <laughs> I well, I'll say this. I'm excited for SEC uh, football press boxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I what I'm too. excited for. I am too. Because I don't think it'll be long before updates and renovations start to pile in or requests start to pile in in Norman there. Once once you've seen, I, I would imagine once you've seen Ole Miss or or Auburn or wherever, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, let's just put it this way. It is not controversial that the press box at uh, OU football stadium is not the best in the world. It's, it's outdated. That's a better It's outdated. It's, it's outdated. outdated. It is. It's outdated. But, hey, that's okay. Um, well, it's not okay because I I deserve a certain standard. Again, yes, I, I deserve a certain standard. I'm better than other people. And Maybe we I should deserve... get OSHA involved. It's Ooh. like a workplace, like workplace issues. <laughs> okay. I've can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Oh man, Brian, this is so. With softball season, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk a little bit about some softball, and then we're gonna continue uh, our position group reviews from OU football's 2023 season. We did running backs last week, so for anybody who is looking for. Our, our breakdown about that position, you can go to last week's episode. This week, we're going to talk about wide receivers. But before we get to the wide receivers, again, softball season, a week and a day away as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. They start their season in Puerto Vallarta. And that's what should be interesting. They actually play a top 15 team. Uh, they're on opening day. They play Duke. They, they have a doubleheader, but they play Duke. That should be an interesting one. But Brian, we were talking off air. Th- this softball team, obviously, look, they're they're going for uh, championship number eight overall, going for their fourth ever, which has never been done, or four or four in a row, which has never been done. But this is such an interesting team to to talk about because while they did lose a couple of critical pieces. Uh, obviously, Jordy Ball, which we talked about last week. We all uh, we didn't talk about Haley Lee, um, who was a huge part of the team last year, especially uh, in the postseason as a designated hitter. There's so much talent coming back on this on this year's roster that mm-hmm. even despite all that, they're still unanimous number one going into everything. But we took a look at the pitching staff last week. Wanted to talk just a little bit about the infield this year because the, I mean uh, OU's been elite everywhere. They've been elite at catcher, they've been elite their 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 pitching staff, their offense, their infield, their outfield, but in addition to replacing Jordy Ball, this team also needs to replace Grace Lyons as shortstop, which that's a huge that is a that's a that's a huge piece that they're going to have to try to replace. Uh, during, during fall ball, they ran, they, they kind of did a bunch of different things, which fall ball is basically like glorified scrimmages, right? For anybody right. who's not aware. Um, but in, 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 in fall ball, they, they did a bunch of different stuff. They actually ran some Tiari Jennings at shortstop. Normally, um, she plays at second, but Tiari, uh, Tiari Jennings actually played some shortstop. 
in in high school. They ran some Avery Hodge there. They ran some Alina Torres. They even put Alyssa Brito there, who Alyssa Brito has been great at third. All that being said, I, I do think that is a question, but I think for the most part, we know what this infield is going to look like. We know it's going to be Sydney Sanders at first. It's probably going to be Alyssa Brito at third. But I'm curious, Brian, from, from your perspective, as impactful as Grace Lyons was, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a shortstop better than Grace Lyons over the last few years. How, how concerning is that, that, you know, losing her and having to to replace her? And and I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think there's going to be one permanent solution? Or do you think it's – or you think they're going to maybe, you know, shift some different players there, especially early in the year? So first thing I want to say about Grace Lyons is – you know, obviously her impact on, on the field was, was immense. Um, huge part of Oklahoma's defense. I mean, she was, she was the best, she was the best shortstop in softball pretty much for the entire time that she ran that position for Oklahoma. She was incredible. Um, if Patrick Mahomes is calling you out on, on Twitter on plays that you're making, I mean, you're doing a good job. So, uh, with that being said, she was the team captain as well. And as you mentioned last week, this team did face some adversity last season, despite going 61 and one and winning the last 53 games of the year, there was, there were points in in time where there was true adversity. And I think that the role that she played in keeping that team on course and being the captain, um, was, was huge. And so, it's not that they don't, I mean, clearly this, there's a huge contingent of, of seniors coming back. Uh, they've got plenty of senior leadership there, but I do think that losing, uh, grace is going to be something that's going to take some time to, uh, to figure out. Uh, and with that being said, I, I think that it's going to be, uh, a committee approach more than I would like just a, you know, somebody's going to just go right and fill in, uh, where she, you know, fill those shoes right away. Um, you know, as you had mentioned off, off, uh, off air, I think we, we see a lot of shifting around in, in that infield. I do think, uh, a name like Avery Hodge is somebody to, to keep up with. Uh, I think that that's somebody that could emerge and see a bigger role. Um, she played in over 50 games last year, but was, it was more of a, in a, a pinch running situation. Um, very comfortable on the bases has great speed. Uh, and she was uh, very highly recruited out of high school, as are most of the girls on this staff so, or on this on this team. So, um, I think you could see some more of her. Uh, and there's some other names out there as well that that'll probably get worked into the position. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see uh, Tiari Jennings over there or or Alyssa Brito shift in a little bit and play there. And uh, you know, I, it, it'll they'll they'll figure out a rotation that works and. Uh, the good news is, is you've got plenty of talent to to rely on, and at some point you'll find a winning combination um, just because everybody else on the field uh, is going to be still remain elite uh, at the positions that they're playing. So um, they'll figure it out, but it's probably going to be a committee approach. I do think that that shortstop, I, I do think that's going to be interesting because I even, you know, during fall ball, and again, you know, fall ball is kind of the opportunity to to look at a bunch of different stuff. I mean, basically everybody gets on the field. But I remember talking um, to Tiara Jennings. We got to talk to her after one of those games where she played 
shortstop basically the entire game. And she was like, it's been fun. She said, it's been fun. She grew up playing shortstop. I think that would be pretty interesting if not only she, I mean, if she wants to play that position, but if she ends up, if it ends up being not as much of a committee, which I agree with you, I think at least early in the season, it'll be a committee. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they slot in at second base. If, if, if Tiara Jennings ends up taking shortstop, but that also leads into this question that, I mean, Grace Lyons was also a fixture in the Sooners batting lineup, which it was not Grace Lyons was good last year. It was not her best offensive season. She didn't, she did end up having a couple of really big plays late in the postseason. but that's when it makes it interesting to think about too. You know, we're talking about the infield, but also, I mean, so many of these batters from last year are coming back, but they are losing Grace Lyons and they are losing Haley Lee. So think, trying to think about who are a couple of names who could really step up in, into the fold and into this batting lineup, which again, this is a good problem to have when you have Tiari Jennings and Jada Coleman and, and Riley Boone and Alyssa Brito and Sidney Sanders and all these God there. It's just crazy how much talent is on this team. But, but I, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Patty handles a lot of this, a lot of this early in the season, but a name I'm going to be looking at Brian in terms of maybe she's a designated hitter, maybe maybe Patty finds something for her elsewhere um, defensively, but I think it's someone like Hannah Core. I really do. Now, now for people who don't know, Hannah Core, um, really really talented player, really highly recruited player, um, has had some has had some back issues um, really throughout her entire career. Um, she played a little bit as a freshman. Um, as a mostly as a pinch runner, but last year only played in four games um, because of a really bad back issue. She had some really good moments in the fall. Um, she, I think she hit a couple of home runs in one, in one of those fall battle series games. And we talked to Patty Gasso after the game and they said, it's just about pain management. They are trying to do, but Brian, I think at one point she was talking about how not only is it constant, like, heating pad and and doing this and this and this when she's not only sitting in the dugout but um also after games but it's also they're trying to figure out ways just to get her comfortable to sleep at night it's it's mm. crazy the amount of stuff but it's clear that they're gonna try that hannah is really pushing to try to play and i think based on what we saw in the fall uh, I think she's a player that that really could make an impact offensively this year. I think the question is just going to be, can she, pain management? How much? How much is she going to be able to play through that pain? She played a little bit in the outfield um, her freshman year, but I think that's going to be interesting. Brian, you, you mentioned Avery Hodge um, as maybe someone else that maybe we're not talking about a ton. I, I think she, maybe she has an impact. Maybe someone like Quincy Lilio makes an impact. You know, uh, what is there another name or two that you're looking at this year that, you know, Hey, outside of the, outside of the prominent names, this is a name or two to, to really look at. So I almost feel as if this name sometimes gets lost in the fold and I, I don't know how it does. It, she became, she re-established herself as a household name last postseason. Um and and she was dealing with injuries in 2022 that kept her from being a hundred percent. And neither one of us have mentioned her yet today. 
And Kenzie Hansen is a is somebody that I just I think there's more there. I, I think there there was more there last year. Uh, and she would probably tell you that as well um, than what we saw. Not to say that she wasn't fantastic. I mean, she batted over 400, um, had 13 home runs. But that that 2021 season where she had 24 home runs and she batted 438 and had career highs across the board, um, now that she is is another year removed from from the injury and and is able to. Uh, you know, be healthy coming into the season. I think that you could see, you know, an explosive year from her because she does be it right or wrong. She does kind of take a, a back seat to Jada Coleman and Tiari Jennings when it comes to people, uh, you know, whenever she steps up to the plate, uh, and that's not the, that is not the case. That's not how it should be. I don't know that, you know, pound for pound, there may not be a more powerful hitter, um, on, on Oklahoma's, uh, roster right now. Whenever she gets a hold of the ball, it, I mean, it's gone. So um, I, I could see her stepping into a bigger role. Um, but kind of like, kind of like whenever we saw, uh, whenever we saw Oklahoma lose, um, uh, Jocelyn Allo a couple of years ago, there was this wonder of where's the offense going to come from. Everybody else just stepped up, and I, I think that that's kind of what you've seen from them in the past and, and losing, uh, who they lost in, in Grace Lyons. And then, uh, obviously Haley Lee, I, I think it's just another situation where you add one or two more pieces to the, to the, uh, rotation there and everybody else elevates their play. And, and suddenly the offense is just as, uh, potent as it ever was. So if there's somebody, if there's one name that I think that could step up and make a huge difference, um, compared to last year, it would be, it would be Kenzie Hansen. That's, that's a good point. And it's interesting because like you said, it's not that, it's not that she necessarily goes under the radar, but I think, you know, she kind of plays a thankless position, right? Yeah. Catcher is, yep. catcher is kind of a thankless position. And yeah, when, when you're talking about these, uh, you know, when you're talking about Jada Coleman and T.R. Jennings, I do, I mean, but there's so much talent. It's easy to get lost. Even if you're Kenzie Hansen could go to, 99.9% of other pro of any other power five program in the country and immediately be their best player. And it wouldn't yeah, be close for sure. <laughs> That's how good she is. But I, I just think it's good. I think it's interesting to talk about under the radar players because I asked Patty Gasso specifically, th this is such an interesting place for this OU team to be in because they have so many seniors coming back. But she also said, I mean, we've got to prepare for the future. That's going to be the hard part of this too. Is yep. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lean on this senior experience, but you're also but we've also got young players that that need to step up and be you know the next part of this. And I mean, obviously, OU added four freshmen. It'll be interesting to see if we see those freshmen at all. But it's not only just the freshmen. There's 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 a few sophomores. There's redshirt freshmen and sophomores. On this list, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week in our full softball preview, but that's that's the last thing I'll say before we transition to some football talk is Patty Gasso specifically said this has got to be a year where we have to find a balance between leaning on the seniors and figuring out who else can play. So I think you're going to see early in the year 
her make some different moves, move players around different positions defensively mm-hmm. and then offensively. I think she's going to give different players a look. Um, it's so interesting to not only be the the obvious number one, the obviously you're the hunted, but also you've got to think about next year too. It's such it's, but this is a good problem for Patty Gasso and the Sooners yeah. to have. Yep. This 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 is a good problem to have, Brian. Before we actually talk about the uh, the wide the wide receivers in 2023 and what all that means, we should probably talk about a certain uh, transfer portal addition that the <laughs> that the uh, that the Sooners made uh, a couple of days ago, um, getting Hatchet from Washington, an offensive lineman, a right guard specifically, who I think OU had been after for a while. Um, he not only fills a position of need, obviously with McCain, with McCain Matower heading out the door, um, but also they just need offensive linemen. They need talented offensive linemen who have experience in playing on a football field. That's that's who they need. And I think he fits that bill. Now, he didn't play a ton last year. He made four starts, um, but that Washington offensive line group as a whole um, was – uh, I mean, was was really good. They won the Joe Moore Award. Obviously, Washington made it to the national championship game. But for you, Brian, how much how much do you think he can make an impact right away? Do you think he can? How much can he be in the mix for a starting right guard spot right away? What? what how big is his addition to this offensive line group? Yeah, I I think he's immediately one of your starting five, you know, right off the bat, I would say is probably one of your starting five, as long as he can, um, as long as he can just transition into what Bill Beanbow needs him to do, uh, that, you know, learning new terminology and all of that stuff is, is obviously going to be important, but most of the time your offensive linemen, especially if you're going to play under Bill Beanbow are, are quick learners, guys that pick things up pretty quickly um and if you don't if you struggle with that side of the if that's with that side of the game he typically doesn't put you in there so um you know if if he can be cerebral and pick those things up quickly i think he'll be a guy that immediately makes an impact um and it was it it was a huge addition because it kind of furthers the point that oklahoma realizes it's number one priority in the transfer portal and in this cycle which was the offensive line um you know you've got you've got hatchet obviously um fabechi nuewu is going to be a guy that probably starts at your other guard position spencer brown is uh one of your tackles there and then um michael uh tarquin is going to be is the other addition there so you've got four new guys to to kind of figure out what's going on there. But I mean, I think this is also a perfect time to bring up the fact that some of those young guys, uh, I know that Eddie Pierre Louis isn't, is it Lewis or Louis? Did we, what were we saying? Lewis. And it was, I don't remember anyways, EPL, that guy, uh, I know he's not coming on. Uh, he's not coming on until, uh, the summer, but, uh, Eugene Brooks, uh, Daniel Akinkumi, those guys are, I think they're guys that you could see even get some playing time from the get-go. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't know about playing a full share of snaps all game long, but um, certainly have the athletic upside to do that. So, uh, 
in a really long roundabout way saying uh, hatchets, hatchet brings a lot of experience, which is what Oklahoma needs. Uh, and that's a good thing. I certainly think he's going to play into uh, some sort of role right off the bat. Um, but, but he certainly got some guys that are going to be pushing him from behind for sure. How would you look at this, this group of now that, now that we know, we, we kind of know what OU's transfer class is right until, until the spring window opens back up and, and maybe OU makes additional moves there. But now that we kind of have this group um, of 11 guys that OU has landed through the portal, how, how would you grade what OU's done in the portal in terms of addressing their, their positions of need in terms of getting talent? I, I was asked this on, on the radio a couple of days ago and uh, I gave it a B plus. I gave their transfer class a B plus. I thought that was fair. They clearly addressed their offensive line question mark, which was obviously the biggest question mark they had going into uh, the off season and the transfer portal window. And you just outlined all the offensive linemen they added there. When I look at, you know, someone like Caden Woolard, who has played a ton of football at defensive line, when you need as much depth and talent as you can on the, Defensive line, when you look at, you know, adding Jake Roberts at tight end, a position to need, adding Casey Thompson, an experienced backup quarterback. To me, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's the most amazing transfer portal class we've ever seen, but to me, I think OU did a pretty solid job. How, how would you rate what OU has done, uh, what OU did in this portal window? You said a B plus? I said B plus. Okay. Um. I would be, I would say probably a, a, a B. I, I'll go B or B plus. Um, I, I think the the needs were addressed properly. I, I think you went out and got what you absolutely needed. Necessities were taken care of. Uh, you need somebody with experience, a backup quarterback. I don't know that you could have found somebody with more experience out there than than Casey Thompson. And you know, as long as as Jackson Arnold stays healthy. I will knock on wood because I know if I don't, Oklahoma fans will say something about it. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I don't know that you could have gone out there and 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 gotten a guy uh, who would be willing to to sit behind Jackson Arnold and share his wisdom, and that be the the kind of uh, addition that he he is. He knows coming into this that he is he's going to bring more to the table mentally than he is on the field uh, if things go to plan. So. I think that's huge. The The thing that probably moves it to a B plus for me is I think that you got a couple, I, I think you got a really good group of steals in, in the portal. I've, and that is hats off to the evaluation that Oklahoma's staff puts together. Um, I think Fabechi Nwewu is a guy that's that immediately going to be a stud. I, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, somebody that um, falls to North Texas like that, it just kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. I, you know, I, there, he he's got all the pieces. He's got all the things that he needs to be uh, a nasty guard in the SEC, and I think that he could be just that. But the other ones, you you said Caden Willard. That's a guy that has a chance to be uh, a name that fans get really familiar with quickly. Um, but perhaps the biggest steal was Bauer Sharp. Um, and I don't even know that a lot of uh, people are even familiar with that name yet, but there's a reason why Alabama and Tennessee and Penn State 
and like these schools were interested in this kid out of Southeast Louisiana, he can move at six, five, 240 pounds. He has plenty of athleticism to immediately break through and be a threat for Oklahoma in the passing game. And what it, what it does is it allows Oklahoma to play some two tight end stuff um, with Devon Mitchell. And, you know, as you mentioned with Jake Roberts out there. So I think they went out and got pieces that they absolutely needed. Um, Tyler Keltner, the kicker from Florida state who didn't have a whole lot of experience with the Seminoles, but again, another piece that you needed. And then, uh, there was one more I wanted to, Oh yeah, of course, Dion Burks, who was probably like the highest rated guy, uh, in that class, he rounds out the wide receiver room, which we're about to talk about is th that wide receiver group is, is deep. I mean, really, really deep, especially when you consider Angel Anthony coming back, um, there's there's a lot of weapons out there i like the group i would say b plus i may even after talking about it i may even go a minus i may even go a minus just to be different well, that's why we, hey that's why we talk about it that's why because you know for the folks out there this is not a scripted show look we 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 talk and we, we figure these things out we go through these issues and sometimes you know once we talk about something maybe our minds change after we talk about it that's why i am going I am going a minus hundred percent because I didn't even mention Dijon Malone, who may very well be one of the starting corners next year. So that's yeah, a minus. I'll go a minus. If you don't like Ooh. it, that's fine. Put your helmet on. Come on, Ooh, come on you're, and tell me about it. He's coming. He's coming after Woody Washington or or Gentry Williams' job. He could be. I, I just I'm I'm saying he's a guy that is going. To, he's probably going to start a game because when have we seen Oklahoma corners stay? completely healthy through a full regular season like yeah outside of woody washington yeah almost never it'll be yeah. tough so it's a good pickup spicy i like it i'm not saying it's not it's not a bad take it's spicy i like it uh but yeah no i agree i think and look and i think the other thing the last thing is to talk about transfer portal classes. You have to remember that this is becoming more and more a, a part of college football. So it's now becoming a, more and more of a part of the strategy of every single team. You're having to build it in as importantly as you do high school recruiting or yep. anything else. You're, you're competing with so many other schools for these guys. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, Oh, you got the top guy at every position that they wanted, but I think they added depth and addressed positions of need which mm -hmm. is what they really, really needed to do. Um, you mentioned uh, Deion Burks segue into talking about the wide receiver group, which is an interesting position group to talk about, Brian, because just from the pure statistics in, in 2023, OU finished sixth in passing offense, 324.8 yards per game, 13.6 um, yards per completion um pretty solid not i mean it, it not 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 great but solid um you look at you look at who ended up being the top performers in this wide receiver group brian if i had told you that drake stoops would catch nearly twice as many passes as the second guy in receptions would you before the season would you believe me no because as we talked about on the last episode or whatever episode we talked about stoops he outperformed his entire career up to this point in one season yep like guys just had a nuts season yeah yep. 
Yep. I think coming into the year, if you were thinking about 2024 and beyond, you were, you would be thinking, okay, how are you going to replace Drake Stoops as a culture guy? Now you're like, how are you going to replace Drake Stoops on the, on the field and his production leading the team in receptions with 84 next closest was Jilla Farouk with 45 led the team in receiving yards with 962 tied for the team lead and touchdowns with 10. This, this receiver room Outside of Drake Stoops, who after Andrew Anthony went down is really when Drake Stoops exploded. That that's really when that happened. Um, the what I mean, it was it was pretty evenly spread between you know Jalil Farouk and Nick Anderson, uh, Andrew Anthony before he went down, um, Gavin Freeman, Jaden Gibson. But Brian, there's a couple of guys I want to talk about first. And actually, before we talk about those two guys, let's talk about Jalil Farouk. Let's talk about Jalil Farouk, a guy that by every metric was, or almost every metric, was better than he was in 2022. More catches, more receptions, or more receptions, more yards. He had 45 receptions on the year, 694 yards. Um, had some big moments, particularly against Texas and SMU. But Brian, you go through the game log for him as the season went on. And he just wasn't very involved in the offense. And then you think about the fumble on, uh, you know, on the on the kickoff against Tulsa. You think about the fumbles at the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, you couldn't remember which fumble I was talking about. Uh, I, I had an intrusive thoughts when you were talking about. It. He had more receptions. <laughs> I was like, and more fumbles, but I didn't say. <laughs> Sometimes you have to let the intrusive thoughts win. Sometimes you have to. Um, I don't know, man. Jalil Farouk was the subject of a lot of criticism, especially after that Alamo Bowl. But for me, I th- obviously the fumbles were bad. Yeah, I, I, against Arizona, they were bad. But to me, coming into the year, I predicted he would have fifty or more receptions. I thought he was going to be the go-to guy. He was never the go-to guy at any point during the season. And maybe that's maybe that's projecting. That's me projecting my un- unreasonable expectations on him. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. But, I mean, you even go through, like, the advanced statistics. Like, I mean, so he was second on the team in targets, but he only had a 60% catch rate. 75 targets, 45 catches. Hmm. I just, whether he whether he wasn't clicking with Dylan Gabriel, whether there just wasn't as much of that growth from from year two to year three, like we thought there would be. I think he had 37 catches in 2022. What what sh- how should fans like okay, now that we're a few weeks away from the Alamo Bowl, how should fans feel about Jalil Farouk and 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 where is he in this pecking order heading into into 2024? So I, I know it's gonna be hard for fans to kind of live that, you know, let him live that down, but at the end of the day, look, the guy, he's, he's been around, uh, he knows this offense. Um, uh, he's obviously really comfortable, uh, probably is one of the leaders in that room now that Drake Stoops, especially now that Drake Stoops is gone. Um, and I think that going all the way back to when he first broke out for Oklahoma, which was all the way back in the Alamo bowl against Oregon, um, people were really excited about what, what he could bring to the table. And 
you know, I, I was in the same boat as you. I totally expected Jalil Farouk to be the guy. Um, I don't think anybody expected Andrew Anthony to be what he was uh, right off the bat uh, for Oklahoma. But uh, he didn't live up to that wide receiver one billing. Um, that I, you know, as you said, whether right or wrong that we all put on him. Um, I think what, what he is becoming, at least in my mind is, is something of a role player for Oklahoma where, you know, it's almost like with a running back where you have a change of pace a little bit. Um, I think that that does help, especially when you have the room that you've got. Um, because I, I think, there's a couple of guys in there that are just waiting for their opportunity to explode. Um, Jaden Gibson, first and foremost, uh, you know, Brennan we're going to talk about him. Yeah. There's, there's other him. guys. Um, but as far as, as far as, as Farouk, I, I think his role has become, uh, something of a, of a, um, change of pace guy. Now I will say in the two games that, uh, Jackson Arnold played and or started, it did seem like Jalil Farouk was somebody who was very comfortable going to, um, even with the, even with the fumble situations and against Arizona, um, on that vital play against BYU, it was Jalil Farouk that he put, you know, he, he put the ball in his hands. The, the, there's a relationship there or at least a trust. So, um, maybe that's something that develops further, even further on heading into the 2024 season. Um, but as far as just where my expectations are for him following the 2023 season, I would say that he still has a role uh, in the offense, but it's not nearly as significant as I expected it to be this time last year. I agree. And look, I, I mean, Jalil Fuchs is going to be a senior next year. He's going to be a fourth-year guy. He's going to have a role in the mm-hmm. offense. Don't Don't let the Alamo Bowl – stuff don't don't let that get too far in the way i think you just adjust your expectations he's going to be he's going to have a role i mean you even look at like i mean you even look at at this year like he's he's a guy that excels in the intermediate part of the field average depth of target 13.5 in that 10 to 15 yard range that's where he excels the i think the one thing that you want if you're if if you're a fan, I think you just want some consistency. There were games, uh, I can't remember how many games off the top of my head, but there there were there was more than one game where he finished with two receptions or or fewer. And I think you want you just want there to and but then you look at the Texas game where you had five receptions, I think 130 yards. I think you just want there to be a little bit more consistency. Let's talk about Jaden Gibson, who had a, a fascinating season. Uh 14 receptions, 14. Think about that. Think about the amount of plays he made and the fact that he basically averaged a catch a game, which is just nuts. Nuts. 14 receptions, 375 yards, five touchdowns. He was second or he was second or third on the team in touchdowns, but second really because Nick Anderson and Drake Soup's tied. Five touchdowns, 26.8 yards per reception. He, we were wondering what was going to happen after Andrew Anthony went down, who was going to get the snaps. The snaps went to Nick Anderson. They did not go to Jaden Gibson. Jaden Gibson snaps. Uh, I think he was averaging like 15 and a half snaps per game before Andrew Anthony's injury. He averaged like 16.0 afterwards. He did not see a bump in snaps. However, 
He did see a season high snaps. He had over 40. The only time he had over 40 all year in the Alamo Bowl with Seth Luttrell in Seth Luttrell's debut as co-offensive coordinator and play caller. That's when Jaden Gibson had his most snaps. I think the the interesting thing for me, Brian, is Nick Anderson, Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson. Obviously, Nick Anderson had a breakout year, thirty eight catches. He's going to be huge next year. He's he's going to. He, I think he's going to continue to ascend. I think OU has to figure out a way to get both those guys on the field. I I I don't think it it can't be an either or because Jaden Gibson proved his drop issues are in the past. That was mm-hmm. the that was the thing people knocked him for coming into the year. That's completely gone. No drop dish, drop issues. He made several catches in in traffic. To me, man, I think Jaden Gibson has to be a bigger part of the offense next year, bar none. I, I I just think I just think he does. I think I mean I, I don't I don't know if you agree, but I, I think he I think he's he has shown too much to be averaging less than, fewer than twenty snaps per game. And I know that's hard in a crowded wide receiver room, but th- that's that's my outlook on Jaden Gibson. I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I I have been clamoring behind closed doors, I guess is probably the best way of putting it. Um about I I I love the ceiling that he brings to the offense. And I guess what I mean by that is I mean, yes, you've got vertical threats with um you know, Brennan Thompson obviously being probably the fastest guy on the team. Nick Anderson showed that he could stretch a field, but I think what Jaden Gibson gives you is like, he has this huge catch radius and a great frame and like a guy that can go up and get those 50, 50 balls for you. And in a season where tight end was such an issue, I was really surprised that he didn't have more red zone targets in situations mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think that that's probably something that the staff looks at and will see and realize that that's somewhere that they can be better next year. Not that Oklahoma really struggled in the red zone, but um, you know, just to be more efficient, it, it, there were opportunities there. And Gibson, it did, it's it blew my mind just a second ago to be completely honest that you said when he said he only had 14 catches because it seemed like Crazy. he had 14 big plays on the season like that. I don't know. He he is a guy that is a big play waiting to happen, and I do think that that's somebody who you could see really explode with, you know, with 108 targets leaving out the door with, with Drake Stoops being gone. So it's like that's somebody who absolutely needs to be a bigger part of what Oklahoma does, especially with uh, some of the changes in, in, in style that you're going to see going from Jeff Lebby uh over over to Seth Luttrell. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. There's there's not very many guys in that room that have the frame that he does to go along with with the speed. So, uh, good take. Here's, here's two questions for you, and this <laughs> is kind of how we'll wrap this up because I think this, this wide receiver room is going to have a conundrum next year because this year it worked out pretty easy, right? Andrew Anthony did enough to establish himself as a starter during the spring and fall camp. So he was a starter. Jalil Farouk was a guy that's been in the system, had a big, you know, had a, a, a breakout ish year in year two. And then Drake Stoops, your veteran slot guy, Drake Stoops is gone. Andrew Anthony. We don't know when he's going to be back. We'll see. We'll see. But, where 
I think it's hard to predict not only starters in general, because now you're looking at Andrew Anthony, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, Angelil Farouk, who all are kind of in a similar makeup, but all kind of play out wide. But now you're trying to look at who's replacing Drake Stoops, and you've got Jaquais Padaway, you've got Dion Burks. I, I, I think it's... I don't know. Okay. For one, okay. I guess instead of making it a super broad question, who do you think comes in and replaces Drake Stoops as, or, or I didn't even mention Brennan Thompson. How did I not mention Brennan Thompson? Brennan Thompson. Sorry. The guy, the forgotten guy that shouldn't have been forgotten all year. Cause every time he was on the field, he had a 90 yard catch. Um, that's so many guys and you're not going to get everybody snaps, but you also have to replace Drake Stoops. Not only as who was the number one receiver, in your offense, but also, I mean, played a, a pivotal role in the way the offense functioned. Who, who do you think replaces Drake Stoops next year? And obviously didn't even mention Gavin Freeman, but that's a different discussion. Who do you think, who do you think going in the spring? Who's, who's leading that pack at the, at slot? I think it's Burks. Like, I think, I, I don't think you go out and get a guy like that and sell him as quickly as Oklahoma did without, him knowing that he's going to play a pivotal role in the room, especially when the room is already as full as it was when he, when he came. So I think it's Burks, but I don't know, man, because he, and that's tough. He, he is. Yeah. Cause he, he's a guy that talk, I mean, talk about athleticism and, and being able to talk the top, take the top off of a, off of a defense. I mean, that guy can move. And so I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go, I'm going with Burks, but, I think there's so much shuffling to be had in that room. Uh, you you legitimately could see eight names trotted out every single week um, in that room, and and I don't think there would be much drop off. That's, I mean, that's just that's what Edmund Jones has built. Um, those guys are they're stacked going into next year. That's for sure, and, and that's not even to mention some of the 2024 guys that are coming in. I mean, he's yeah, got I was... a, a couple of studs coming in in the freshman class too. So, um, yeah, I, I'll go, I'll go Dion Burks, but, uh, if it's not him, I do think Brennan Thompson's going to find a way to be on the field more. Um, I, I think he's kind of your vertical guy, but I mean, hell who knows <laughs> how many guys they've got in there to shut, to shuffle in. That's like we're not even talking about the the twenty twenty four guys like Zion Kearney and, and 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 I mean and you go through that I mean Zion you know Raggins I mean you, you go through all the guys that objectively deserve playing time and Andrew Anthony Nick Anderson Jaden Gibson Jalil Jalil Farouk Dion Burks Brennan Thompson Jaquais Petaway you start you can't how are you going to get everybody on the field. Well, and the funny part, the funny part about it is, is coming into the 2023 season, like we're all racking our brains trying to figure out like, how are they going to make this work? This is the, this is the question mark. Yeah. This is the big question mark. And yeah. now it's like a totally opposite question. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know, man. All I know is this is the only thing I would say for sure is I think Nick Anderson's ascension, I think he'll continue to ascend. I think I think Jalil Farouk is going to have a similar role, although I would expect his snaps. He played nearly every snap basically the entire year. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, 
And then I would say, I, I think Jaden Gibson deserves some more snaps, but a, a, outside of that, man, what are you going to do? Not play, not put Brennan Thompson, who's clearly the fastest guy on the field every time he's on the field. How about Jaquay's Petaway, a guy that, you know, he's still young, but at some point you got to get him on the field to develop him. He barely played in 2023. Right. At some point he's got to get on the field to develop him. And in the era of the transfer portal, that also adds to the sense of urgency to get guys on the, I don't know. This is a, <laughs> Oh, is this a good problem to have? This is a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. But Emma Jones is going to have a lot of stuff to try to figure out during the spring. And to make it all simple, the first one is, how are you replacing Drake Stoops? That's well, that's the question. Yeah, and that and the other thing is, like, you are going to see more two tight end sets. Like, that yeah. is something you are going to see with Seth Luttrell. So... There's going to be one less wide receiver on the field for a lot of snaps. So, I mean, the competition for that room in the spring and in fall camp is going to be wild. Gonna it's going to be wild. Yeah, it is. Well, to wrap it up, I, I actually did the uh, the wide receiver uh, review uh, when we did our our written series over at OUinsider.com. Uh, I gave the 2023 receiver group. I gave it an A minus. What would you give it? In 2023, a flat, a. just an A flat. Yeah, that. Um, I, I think, I th- and I think that's probably more about what my expectations were versus what they actually did. Uh, it was, they blew my expectations out of the water. Um, was it the best group in the country? No, but they were a heck of a lot better than anybody gave them credit for coming into the year. I agree. And when you finish sixth in passing offense, yep. Dylan Gabriel had. Some great moments, but it's because a lot of wide receivers made, they just made plays. A lot of them just made plays. Well, and the balance of the room, like, yeah, it was just impressive. Great job. It was. We'll be back next week, Brian, to do our full OU softball season preview. Again, that season starts on Thursday. We'll be back to talk about that. We'll be back to talk more about uh position group reviews from 2023 and looking a little bit ahead for what lays ahead for that position group in 2024 we'll be back to do all that on next week's edition of the oklahoma drill you can find us every single thursday on the ou insider youtube channel make sure to like and subscribe or go anywhere you find your podcasts if you're not a vip member over at ouinsider.com go ahead and head over there tons of junior day content recruiting content from our guys Brian or from our guys Brandon and Parker you're going to find tons of content basketball season still well well underway oh you got a big win uh, last night against Kansas State huge potentially season saving win plenty of basketball content from Brody and I and then hey softball season right around the corner going to find tons of content about that from Brian and I you're not going to want to miss it until then we'll be back here next week for the Oklahoma drill